Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. So if, like myself, you find yourself at 3 in the morning trying to build a website in your underpants with days-old pizza crumbs falling down your sad, scrappy beard... You might want to go to squarespace.com uh, and you can call them for help and not not be like me. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code tech at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So a couple of years ago, I had a really awesome job. Uh, and I was a week into the job and we all got laid off and it was not the best way to start a week. And a couple of days later, I was supposed to photograph a Death Cab for Cutie concert in New Jersey. So I drove there. Turns out my photo pass had been revoked. Uh, I got to see the concert. That was fine. And I left the concert and decided I should fill up with gas before I made it back over the bridge and as soon as I filled up with gas, I went to turn my car on and my car didn't start. And I've had trouble with cars before and I knew enough to know that this wasn't a simple problem. Uh, but the bigger problem at large right now was I was stuck in a very suburban part of New Jersey on a Thursday night uh, with no way to get home if my car wasn't going to be able to start. And also it was too late at night to get anybody to come tell me what the problem was with my car. Uh, and so this sort of comedy of errors ensued where I spent the next couple hours trying to get late night mechanics to come check out my car, I ended up having to push the car across the street into uh, a lot of a garage where I left them a long handwritten note about what I thought might be wrong with the car. Uh, and I slid the piece of paper under their garage door, uh, hoping that they could fix it and I could come back in a couple days to see what had gone wrong with it. Uh, and all this stuff is happening on like the worst week of my life. And I'm just sitting there also figuring out how to get home. So I started pricing out, uh, car services to bring me all the way back to New York. I was going to have to pay hundreds of dollars. I lucked out and I had a friend who was nearby and was able to bring me home. Uh, and it turned out there was just this one belt that had broken in my car's engine, uh, that it turns out there was this one belt that had broken in my car's engine and because that one belt had broken the entire rest of my engine was destroyed and the car was totaled and I never got to use it again <laughs> I have I have two questions for you okay number one why didn't you call up your old friend Bon Jovi you're in New <laughs> Jersey he's, he's right down the street probably at some dead end motel or bar, he could have helped you out. He was well. He was at a bar. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Question two. Today we're talking about electric cars. Is it true that there are no belts in electric cars, or that just electric cars wouldn't have caused uh, such a such an irritating problem for you? Internal combustion engine cars have on the order of 200 or more moving parts in the engine alone and electric cars have about 
10 to 15. And so it's safe to say that this problem definitely wouldn't have happened if I had had an electric car. And I might have had to worry about the range, but I definitely wouldn't have broken a belt and gotten myself stuck in New Jersey on a Thursday night. I think we've learned a lot. I think we've learned um, that electric cars seem like a nicer thing. We'll talk more about that later. And also Bon Jovi. What a jerk. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I'll be your host today. I am joined by my friend, my colleague, The Verge reporter, Sean O'Kane. And today we are talking about electric cars and, to some degree specifically, Tesla. Uh, so... Let's start there before we get too far into electric cars. Uh, what is Tesla? Tesla Tesla Motors is uh, a car company that is dedicated to making just just electric cars, uh, and it started in the earlier two thousands. And we can get into the history of it if you want. They basically uh, didn't create a car, an electric car, from scratch. They licensed um, electric car tech from another company called AC Propulsion and ba- used that technology essentially on a frame of like a Lotus Elise uh, car and came up with the Tesla Roadster and they've been making electric cars ever since. And they have basically one other model right now that's mid to high end as far as price goes. And the goal is... By 2017, they're going to be releasing a production model electric car that should be much more affordable and something that most people would, you know, have a chance to buy. What what makes an electric car? Well, sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. I got a weird reverb on my ear. Oh. Uh, what makes a car an electric car? Uh, so it. Well, actually, <laughs> sorry, God, I'm going to kill myself. <gasps> What is the difference between an electric car and the type of car that most people are driving today? Uh, it's really the engine and then in some ways also the fuel or the what the source of the fuel is. So the engine in an electric car uh, is an electric engine. It's, you know, magnets and metal and it. there are a couple different ways that you can build an electric motor, but uh, it's just a much more contained thing that uses electricity per- to propel the car, whereas most cars that we have, you know, almost all cars, uh, are powered by internal combustion. So they're using uh, an engine that makes fire and basically controlled explosions and uses those explosions to power the car down the road. That's kind of insane when you think about it, right? It's totally like, insane. It's, it's one of those things that it's a thing I understand and have understood. And yet when I picture uh, controlled explosions uh, in traffic, just all hurling us down a highway, <laughs> it's really, it doesn't build confidence. It totally makes sense because you think about the way that people are obsessed with cars. They, they're obsessed with the speed and also the the noise and the feeling and... It's easy to like get caught up in those ideas, but then you realize that th- all those things are caused by these explosions that the engine is making. And you think about how we love things like you know fireworks, and a lot of people love guns. So it actually makes a lot of sense why a, a lot of Americans love cars. 
because it's explosions. <laughs> Who invented the first electric car then? Uh, the, the first one that people can really point to that really kind of wasn't a car. Uh, there was a Dutch inventor. I'm going to try to get this name right. Uh, Sabrandus Strating. Uh, he basically sure. he basically created like a slab, uh, <laughs> a slab of like wood with a couple little wheels, and it was driven by an electric motor. But that was all the way back in 1830. Um, but the what's kind of considered to be the first electric car, uh, William Morrison of Des Moines, Iowa, built a six-seater that had the top speed of 14 miles an hour. And that was sort of considered, you know, it almost looks like a, like a horse-drawn cart, uh, but without the horse. Uh, and that was in that was in 1891. That was that's basically what people point to as kind of the first electric car. But there were I a lot of other ones right after that in that sort of turn of the century era. It it hurts my head because we we had electric cars over a hundred years ago. Yeah, and then nothing they <laughs> disappear entirely from at least my very very limited line of sight. Why? I mean, I. I have to imagine that it was understood even then that electric was cleaner. Um, what led to it being all gas? No, I mean, you're totally right. It was cleaner. Uh, 99% of cars by 1914, even though there had been electric cars, uh, 99% of them by 1914 were, uh, were gas-powered. And by 1920, electric cars were completely off the market. Um, so, so whatever happened, happened fast. And really what happened was Henry Ford. Uh, you know, he set out to make a gas engine car and not only did he find the way to make a gas engine car the cheapest and the fastest and the most available as he was doing this, some other things that happened, you know, people looked at, this is a time when like electricity was, was brand new really, you know, every decade from the late 1800s to the early 1900s, electricity was changing everybody's life in like a completely, utterly profound way. So it is really strange that electric cars disappeared because you figured like this would be the thing that people would think is the most fascinating. You'd think you'd look at a, a gas car and the electric explosion and say, well, that looks like old technology, kind of like we're doing now. Uh, but some of the problems that people had with gas cars started to subside as well. So you had um, mufflers were invented, so it wasn't as loud and as noisy and as it didn't create as much smoke and pollutant it seems or it seemed um and and gas cars got easier to start too you used to have to do that thing with the crank in the front you know that you've seen in fast motion in black and white a whole bunch of times throughout your life uh you didn't have to do that anymore they figured out a way to come up with an electric car starter uh so all these things happened right as henry ford made you know the assembly basically created the assembly line and that sort of swirl of factors together where all of a sudden the things that were sort of bad about gas cars that people didn't like and the availability and affordability all sort of disappeared at the same time where now they were super cheap. Now they were super affordable. They weren't just a a toy for the rich. And that made people look at the electric cars that existed and think, well, if I can only go 14 miles an hour in this thing, or if I can only go so far before I need to pump a whole bunch of this magical electricity in it, uh, you know, maybe I'm just going to buy a gas one. So let's, we're fast forwarding now to the 2000s. 
Tesla Motors, yeah. they decide, hey, you know what? Remember that old thing that failed a <laughs> hundred years ago? Let's do more of that. How how did that become a reasonable thing for one people to think, let alone for these people to build an entire company around? Well, it's I mean, it's kind of funny. You look at it, and it really, in a lot of ways, isn't reasonable still, <laughs> even though they've produced <laughs> this really awesome car that's on the road now, the Model S. Um, but it'll be reasonable when they can get like a, a mass production car out there that people can easily buy. But Tesla came from in the early nineties, there was this big clean energy and environmental push. And part of that was there in the early 1990s in California, there was a, a zero emissions vehicle mandate that basically was saying to the car companies that were out there, you can't make a car unless you are also making an EV, an electric vehicle. And a lot of them kind of panicked and tried to make something. It's sort of where Toyota, even though they weren't making cars in California, that was sort of what spurred them into making the hybrid Prius. Uh, But that that mandate was ended up being repealed. Uh, So that's part of why we never saw that boom of electric cars manifest. But what happened was... In that time period between that mandate and the repeal, a lot of people were working on battery tech and EV tech um, because they thought this was going to be a thing that happened. And so that was where this company, AC Propulsion, came in. They were working on this thing called the T-Zero, which was a really insane um, electric car. Uh, It could go 0 to 60 in 4.9 seconds. Uh, they decided not to use lead acid batteries, which a lot of electric car companies were trying to use and instead used lithium ion batteries, which were not only lasting longer, but were becoming incredibly cheaper because of they're the same kind of battery that was being used in mobile phones and laptops and computers and stuff. So they were going through their own sort of technological revolution. Uh, and so, and this, uh, the T zero could go 250 miles on a charge. So they were doing you know, they were just some guys essentially in a garage compared to, you know, the major car makers. They were doing some insane stuff and they kept working on it even after that mandate was repealed. And basically one of those guys that was running that company uh, brought Elon Musk in who had, you know, come off PayPal, one of the PayPal and eBay, one of the most successful early internet pushes and was trying to get him to fund it. And, AC Propulsion didn't want to take their company public, but they decided they would make a little bit of money by licensing some of the design to Musk and a few other guys who had already, you know, they also wanted to do, there were a couple other people that wanted to invest in AC Propulsion. They basically said, here, you just take some of our ideas, give us some money, we'll keep working on our own thing, uh, but you guys go do what you want to do. And so this other comp- or this other set of people wanted to start Tesla Motors, and they brought in Musk as chairman using that technology, and then they built the Tesla Roadster. And that was released in, uh, they started working on that in 2004 and it was announced in 2006 and shipped it in 2008. What was the development of the Roadster like? Uh, I mean, was it like designing a normal car or was it like, oh, we're going to take pieces of a whole bunch of different things and pray that it runs? Well, no, it was like designing a, a, a normal car in a lot of ways in the sense that like they, they took a, a Lotus, Elise Lotus is a, you know, like a sort of supercar-ish company. 
uh, and they, they base it on this frame. It kind of looks a lot like that car. So it's not like they were starting from the ground up and designing an entirely new car, but in a lot of ways they were because they were trying to make battery tech work in a way that it had never worked for an electric car. Um, but I mean, the development of it was really kind of crazy because it was, they were making this, first of all, they're making this car that they're going to sell for over a hundred thousand dollars. They, they explicitly set out to say, not only are we going to make an electric car that everybody's going to love, which would be like basically a first since the 1900, early 1900s, but they said, we're going to sell it for over a hundred thousand dollars. And it's going to be something that people who buy Ferraris will consider buying as well, which is insane. I mean, it, it's totally insane. Uh, and so, I mean, they ran into a, a whole bunch of problems along that process. Uh, it took them forever to finish it. Uh, it cost them way more than they thought it was going to cost. Uh, some of the shipments, when they did finally ship it, had defects. Uh, and so it, it really caused, like, Tesla almost didn't make it out of this point because the original CEO uh, was fired. And then the recession hit, and... The recession hit as they had named like their next CEO, and at the same time as you know Musk is dumping tons and you know millions and millions of dollars into Tesla, the recession hits, and then also SpaceX is going through its sort of trial by fire at the same exact time. So he just sort of stepped in to Tesla after they named that second CEO, and was just kind of like, "Yeah, you know what? Nah, I'm going to do this. Uh, you have have fun," <laughs> and sort of summarily let him go away and uh and they were able to pull through they were able to ship it and fix the ones that had shipped with problems uh and they sold enough to start working on the model s which is the next car now when i read anything about tesla and i try to distinguish it the kind of differences between its idea of how to do electric from other car manufacturers it seems like the thing that i keep sticking on other than looking like a sports car is this idea of uh, basically an updatable car, kind of like how we have a phone that can be updated. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain how that works? Yeah, I mean, so you, you look at the way the car industry works, not even electric cars, just gas cars in general, and there's this process of sort of, we have this car. 2014's model is going to be X amount worse than 2015's model. But it's, it's going to be nominal. It's, it's, it's like you're going to get to 2015 and, you, you know, spot the differences between the two and it's going to be kind of hard. And, you know, every maybe five to ten years, a car might a car maker might redesign that car. But a lot of times when you're looking at those year to year differences, it's very, very similar. Uh, and, and Musk's whole thing with Tesla is that you could buy a Tesla Model S this week and it would be noticeably different than someone who bought one two weeks ago but what's cool is if it's something if, if it, the change between those two is something that's like software related and doesn't require you know they didn't rethink how to do like their door handles or something in two weeks they will make the effort to push those updates over because the car is new enough and connected uh, that they can push those updates overnight so Tesla owners, people who have a Model S have seen this happen already. They uh, have like gone to sleep one night uh, without self-driving capabilities 
on the highway and then woken up the next morning and had those ready for them in the car. Or they've gone to sleep one night and only had a couple hundred miles of range and then woken up the next day and they had, you know, 30 miles more range, something like that. So uh, it is right to compare it to something like like a phone where you're basically getting uh, these software updates. It's just what the car can do as a physical object is a little more obvious than something like a phone, which is pretty limited uh, to the to the device. So you talked a little bit about like the ultra fancy original version, the Tesla Roadster. What does the fleet for Tesla look like? I mean, now, but also going into the future. What what is this company's kind of lineup going to look like eventually? Yeah, so the they started with the Roadster. Um, you can still buy that now, and and some and even those cars are are improving. They're up to like 350 miles of range or something really crazy. Uh, but the the big one that sort of really put Tesla on the map. Um, was the Tesla Model S, which came out a couple years ago, and that's the one that uh, that's the one that's gotten the highest safety rating from the NHTSA. Um, it costs it starts at about seventy thousand dollars, but you know as soon as you add anything on, it can go up over about a hundred thousand uh, dollars. And, and it's a performance car; it's meant to compete with the BMWs, the Mercedes of the world. It's not necessarily targeted like the supercar world, like the Roadster was. It's meant to be a bit more approachable, but it's, you know, Tesla's not making that for everybody. They're making it to draw the attention so that the the next iteration uh, of their four-door sedan, the Tesla Model 3, uh, when that comes out in 2017, hopefully, uh, people will know who Tesla is, they'll know what they can do, and now they'll know that they have an affordable option um, somewhere in the range of thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars. Now, all these prices too, you have to think about factoring in the government. Here, will give you a seventy-five hundred dollar tax credit if you buy an all-electric car. So you are getting it for less than that uh, when you go through that process. And then also, some states, only a handful right now. But we'll offer, they'll offer their own tax credits, so you can get it even lower than that. Uh, and there's some other stuff like, you know, electric vehicles in New York don't have to pay quite as high. Bridge tolls, like there's a lot of, and then you're also talking about not paying for gas, so you're, uh, they end up being cheaper than that. Um, so they're, they're aiming to get to 2017 with a much more approachable car that hopefully, you know, hundreds of thousands of people will buy. Uh, that's taking them a little bit longer to develop and they're trying to get a little bit more money. So in the meantime, they have recently announced and will soon be shipping uh, the Tesla Model X, which is an SUV. It's basically another way to attack that sort of seventy dollars to $80,000 range. Um, and it works a lot like the Tesla Model S has a similar range. It's just a bigger sort of SUV car. Um, and they basically hope that you know people who buy Range Rovers will want to buy this instead. Okay, so 2017, that's a year and a half, year and change away. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there are a number of things that are problems, flaws that Tesla needs to fix before then. The, the big one that comes to mind is recharge stations. Like, where are they? Even though I say that and I'm in Texas <laughs> and the Tesla recharge station for me if I had somehow <laughs> had the one. money to buy one, uh, <laughs> is right around the corner from me. There you go. Uh, so, but but that that's not normal for everybody. I <laughs> no, it's not. What, what are these things that they're going to have to do in the next year and a half to really prepare uh, for that car to be shipped? 
I mean, they themselves need to get their own battery tech cheaper for that model to even happen. Um, for like first off, uh, they basically need to be able to make the biggest thing stopping them from dropping a price on something close to a Model S down to, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Model S down to a Model 3 is really still the battery tech. Um, so they they need to work on that, and that's why Tesla is uh, building the, this thing called the Gigafactory, which is uh, basically going to like double the world's lithium-ion battery production. Uh, so that's one way to make... Uh, make batteries cheaper, just flood the zone and make them yourselves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing really is this this idea of range, which is, it is kind of crazy. It's definitely a problem uh, in some respects, but it, it is a little crazy because the Model S can go 300, maybe more miles on a single charge. Uh, and if you if you do need to stop and recharge in the middle of a trip, these supercharger stations like the one around from your house you plug into the Tesla one at these charging stations and you can get something on the order of like 60 miles for every 10 minutes that you charge. For 20 minutes stopped, you can basically fill your battery level back about halfway and get, you know, almost like 150 miles uh, for like a 20 to 30 minute stop. And that's that's really kind of insane. Uh, and if you think about it, most people don't go more than like, I mean, even if you think go like stretch the the high end, 100 miles a day in a car. Uh, so you're also going to be plugging these things in at your home every night. So you theoretically, most days out of the year, wouldn't even need these recharging stations. And it, even though you don't, they're still building out more and more uh, so that they will cover more of the country by the time the Model, S, or Model 3 comes out. So they are, they're solving that problem. The biggest problem for me as someone who lives in a city is you know, I like to think that way about how they're building out the supercharging stations and how I wouldn't ever have this range anxiety, as it's called. But I know here I would have a problem with that because I have to park on the street and I don't have a garage I can just throw my car into and plug in. So that's a big problem right there is is trying to get penetration into cities. That's an issue that they have, you know, an even harder path to go down to solve. Um, but for people like you who are sort of out in the middle of the country... I think the problem of range is actually not quite as severe as a lot of people like to think. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's why I moved here, to be honest. Just that, you know, for my $100,000 car. <laughs> well, when it, it's so big. Yeah, when it's cheaper, it will be, it'll be fine. Yeah. But, no, I mean, that's the, biggest, I, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you, you look at, like, the problems that people have with electric vehicles, and range is really the thing that comes to mind most. The only other thing really is some people, I think, still attribute performance issues to electric vehicles just because they think of things like golf carts you know you you hear that yeah. whine of the electric motor and you just think it's not going to be as fast as a, a gas car going back to ex that idea of explosions um, but if you were to sit in a tesla or even other electric vehicles uh, that aren't quite as powerful they give you a kick when you hit that pedal that go pedal not the gas pedal i guess uh, when you hit that pedal they give you a kick that a combustion engine just can't give you because all that stuff has to happen in that engine before you go after you, and after you hit that pedal. But in an electric engine, you hit that pedal and that motor is already going. You are you are off the line in an instant. And that's why you can go on the internet and watch videos of a Tesla Model S beating the heck out of all these souped up muscle cars on drag strips all around the country. Uh, and it's, you know, for someone who 
likes the idea of electric cars. It's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we wrap up, uh, the Tesla home batteries, they're a thing. I yes. do not fully understand. Um, not a lot of and, people do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know we're mostly talking about cars, but I, I would love for you to kind of give us just a quick rundown of what these things are, because I, the gist I get is they may, they may be just as exciting for some people as the actual vehicles. Yeah, so as Tesla was trying to work its way into people's homes to give them, you know, even better options to charge their cars overnight. They were also working on this thing called Tesla Energy and this product called the Powerwall, which is a, basically a home battery system You'll that comes in a couple different options that can store different amounts of energy. Uh, and they cost in a, the range of a couple thousand dollars, like around $3,000, uh, not counting like installation fees or anything. And you can basically put this thing in your home you know, you could charge your car through it too. Um, but it's essentially, you use it in conjunction with something like solar pa- panels, which, hey, conveniently, Elon Musk owns a company called Solar City that'll sell you some solar panels. <laughs> and uh, you throw those up on top of your house and you use those to grab some energy from the sun. And you can store those light energies into the power wall. And uh, you can use that basically... If you, you know, say if your power were to go out, you'd be able to run off of this or there are different ways where, you know, you can do this without the power wall too, but you could do more of it with the power wall, basically feed money back in or energy back into the grid um, so that your electric bill isn't as high. But it is, I think why people really like it is it's sort of like the first seed of the idea of being able to get off of the massive electric grid that all of us are tied to where... You know, if you were in a place that is not well served by that utility, you could throw a bunch of solar panels on top of your house, run it into this Powerwall battery, and never really need to pay an electric bill. You know, that's the dream it hints at. And it's got a long way to get there, for sure. But it's the start of that idea. That sounds fantastic. I'm going to have my I'm going to have my house in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going to have my car with a limited range, not not too limited, but just limited enough that I can never go anywhere but my own utopia. Well, I'll tell you what, um, one, one of those other updates that they pushed to Tesla's recently will tell you when you're about to go too far to either get to another charging station or, or to, to make back. it back home. Oh, no, that's the swimming too far into the ocean alert. <laughs> <laughs> if only it let me know that I was going to be destroyed by a shark. Exactly. Um... Thank you so much for for explaining all of this uh, today, Sean. Yeah, of course. Uh, And thank you for listening. This has been another episode of What's Tech. We are here every Tuesday. You can find uh, both Sean and I on The Verge. Uh, Sean and me, that's correct. On TheVerge.com. You can find the show on TheVerge.com forward slash What's Tech. You can find us on iTunes, which is a place where you can leave reviews that I really would love for you to do because... The more reviews we get, the more we are seen by, uh, I guess, heard by new listeners uh, who can enjoy all these little verbal flubs that I make. Uh, And yeah, and it it spreads the word. 
The other thing you can do is just tell your parents about the show because uh, if my mom is anything to go off of, parents love it. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's it. Oh, yeah, we're on Twitter. Let's die. Thank you for listening so much. We will see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.